so glad to have you here with us. God is with us. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless?
full Those streams of abundance flow Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert today to spend some time with us.
give boxes with such excitement. Some of them is the very first time that they ever received a gift in their lives. Jesus loves you. That's what Operation Christmas Child is all about, is to reach children of the world with God's love. And we do that through a simple gift. There's no greater joy than knowing we're getting to be a part of the Great Commission together. There's no way that you could do this without volunteers. They're incredible. The energy that they have, the excitement that they have. 
This is the good Samaritan work that the Lord is looking for people to do. When we pray, God takes your gift and he begins to navigate it around the world and it ends up in the hands of a child. God begins to answer those prayers. After a child receives a gift box, the child is invited to go through the greatest journey. They know the story of God and they can tell others by using the books. These boxes can be used as a tool to touch a whole community. The Great Commission, we're to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication, that's what we do. It never ceases to amaze me. Well, good morning. Is everybody alive? It's, it's, uh, it is October 15th, and I think it's supposed to be like 79 today. It's still throwing me off, I'm not going to lie. But uh, we just want to welcome you. If you're brand new with us, would you do us a really big favor? First of all, we're so thankful that you're here. Would you stop us in the Welcome Center and just let us know that you're new? Even if you have to go with somebody, just let us know because we would love to give you something free, which isn't a whole lot of what you hear nowadays. Usually it's free followed by. <laughs> so we want to give you something and just get you connected here. And so we know that my, today might be f- day number one. For some of you, day, this, today in church is like day 8,000 or 10 or, or bigger. For t- today, it might be one for one, some of you. And so we recognize that, and we're really excited that you're here. And would you please just come find us, and we'd get, love to give you something. The second thing is, is, would you pass the friendship folders? We'd really appreciate that. Just let us know you're here. And uh, just know that we do take those uh, signatures and checkboxes very seriously, and people matter here at Crossroads. And so we just want to thank you for filling those things out. The other thing is on, um, you just saw that video, Operation Christmas Child, and what's so cool about that video is those boxes are tangible. You saw the boxes when you came in, I'm sure, at the tower. Actually, last service, they've probably, it's probably gone down a little bit. Um, I saw people walking out with like two armfuls of boxes and, you know, they're going out and they're going to pack those boxes inside those boxes. There's a little sheet that says for a boy or for a girl and it gives you items to buy. Every year, the last couple, I'm sorry, the last couple years, my wife and I have taken our kids to Dollar General and we walk through the aisles and have them pick out items. We've gone to Target before and it's cool because it's so tangible to have your kid pick out something else for another child to think outside of themselves, especially during this season. And it's hard because every year we go and we walk through the aisles and my son goes, oh, that would be really good. I mean, I would like that too. (laughs) And so it's that constant teaching opportunity. And so it's just a great opportunity. And so one for a family, two or three, or, you know, maybe take a week and pray about it. Although I know it's super easy. Just jump on it. You know, even even if you have your neighbors, you know, share with your neighbors. I've had people that have told me, hey, they saw me doing this and they said, well, can we grab a couple for our family? God works through all kinds of different ways. So if that's something that you're interested in, would you please grab one of those when you leave? And also coming up on October 25th, from 6.30 to 8.30, we have our trunk and treat. And this year, we are going to be going from 6.30 to 8.30. Last year, we had 500 students, 500 children show up to that parking lot. And this year, we're not just praying for more numbers. We're praying just that we would respond the way that Jesus would have us respond. Just simply, lovingly, and openly. And so it's exciting that we, our church has an opportunity to do that. And so last hour, I challenged them. We had about 18 spots, and right now we have about seven spots for cars. 
So would you just consider bringing your car, parking it in that parking lot, and handing out candy to so many, so many, so many children and just loving on them? Seven, we need about seven to eight more spots. So I'd love to fill that by the end of it. If you want to sign up today, you can just find me in the back, and I'll get you signed up today on a piece of paper. You don't need to go on your phone, although I had a couple people do that last hour, so whatever works. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just consider that trunk and treat on October 25th, and you can sign up online. There also is information in your bulletin. Uh, and also, too, the Operation Christmas Child Collection Week is November 5th through the 12th, so it's coming up quick. Let me go ahead and ask the ushers to come forward to receive this morning's offering. And if you're new with us, would you just let the plate pass? You are welcome to participate. But know that this is for regular attenders and those who are in the grace of giving. And, uh, yeah, just excited about what God's going to teach us this morning, starting a brand new series. God, we love you. We come before you, knowing that, God, at the end of the day, Because of your son, Jesus, you no longer see us for our mess-ups. God, you no longer see us for the things that we can't do. You only see us for what your son, Jesus Christ, did for us on the cross. His finished work on the cross. And God, only in the truth of Jesus Christ can we stand. And so that is the truth that we proclaim this morning. God, we get all of our stuff on the table. We acknowledge our mess-ups, our hang-ups, our habits, God, even the mess-ups we had this morning, God, are, are, are just knowing that at the end of the day, we can't do enough, God, but because Jesus did, that's how we can enter into relationship with you. So, God, we give out of this heart, God, now of, of sacrifice and humility, knowing that you will use these monies to do a greater work for your kingdom alone. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Will be. 
to church and those who don't. Most people pray without even knowing it. When we're on a plane as it takes off, for some reason, we pray. When our favorite sports team is in a close game, we bite our nails and we pray. When we're being wheeled into an operating room, even if it's a simple procedure, for some unknown reason, we pray. The words, they just come out, often words we don't even hear ourselves whispering. Lord, help my mom be okay. God, I hope this pilot knows how to fly. Lord, help my team to win. Jesus, what in the world am I doing right now? Again, most people pray. Whether we're pursuing God or not, the words, they just come out. But something changes when we have a relationship with God. Our heart, it becomes alive. And because of that, our prayers and our words come alive. And we're no longer just talking to someone. We're talking with someone, with God. Because there's a relationship, a foundation with Jesus. We have a... uh... A new series, Talking with God. And I want you, as, as we start thinking about how to talk with God, you know, the, the, the thought of prayer can be so overwhelming. It can be intimidating. It can, it can make you feel like I don't pray enough. And that's not the intent of this series. I don't want you to walk out of here guilty because you didn't pray enough, all right? I, I've read so many books on prayer, and at the end of the day, that's what, that's what I feel like. I feel like, man, I just don't pray enough. So our, our goal with this series is to inspire you to really learn how to talk with God. And when you, when you start to catch this, this great joy and this great privilege that you have to talk with God, it will be life-transforming. And so as we start this journey this morning, uh, about learning how to talk with God, because that's what prayer is. It, it really is simple. It, 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 you know, I, we tell little kids that prayer is talking with God, not talking to God. There's a difference. There's talking with God, and then there's talking to. This is talking with. You get to have a relationship. And like he said on there, you know, most people pray when they're on an airplane. I think everybody does that, Right? At least us cowards do, right? That's what, you know, I'm white-knuckling on that airplane. Man, I, I am super prayed up every time I fly, you know? And it's like the whole time I'm up there. You're just praying. You're in an attitude of prayer. Um, you know, before you go into the hospital, you have a big procedure going. You're going to pray. But we want to take it beyond some of those basic areas and teach you how to talk with God. 
Uh, we've put out a survey. It's on our Facebook page. I'd like to encourage everybody to go to the Facebook page, not now, but later, and, uh, and take that survey. It's, it'll, it'll take you all of two minutes. It's one question. And it says this. It says, what aspect of prayer is most difficult? Uh, out of the people that took the survey so far, we had 30% said praying out loud was the most difficult. And I, I understand that. One of, the, one of the greatest fears people have is public speaking. So when we pray out loud, maybe you're with somebody else and you're, you're worried about what do they think of how I'm praying and you feel this awkward and all that. that so that, that's, that is challenging. And then the next, uh, the next 30%, so equal amount, also said not knowing what to say. Uh, not knowing, you know, what do you pray whenever you talk to God? Whenever you're talking with God, what do you say? So we're going to get in and we're going to delve into some of these. And so I'd like to encourage you that there's also an option on there for other. And I'd like to hear some of your other, other responses as well. So put them in there and we will use that as we continue on our series to find out where we're at. So it's, uh, I'm pretty excited about the opportunity to do that. But as you think about prayer, we have this awesome privilege, but yet most of us find it hard. It's simple, yet hard. It's simple, yet we complicate it. And I find that most things in my life that are really important are typically simple. But yet, we overcomplicate them and I never do them. And so when we, we, we take this, we have this great power. Prayer is talking with God. I get to go before the God of the universe, and yet, I don't do it. Why? We're going to look at a couple of those thoughts here. I, I, I'm going to share with you, I'm going to call this standard issue prayer, all right? Standard issued prayer. When you were little, your mom or dad probably taught you how to pray over the food, right? Do you remember this? God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. Anybody ever pray that when you were a kid? All right. Some of you still pray that prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a great prayer. I think uh, the sincerity is what we're trying for. I asked my wife if she ever heard of that. She goes, heard of that? That's all we ever prayed when we were growing up. And she said, we had our own rendition. We added on, and we love you, dear Jesus. Amen. And that was what they did at their family. So they added that part to the prayer. Um, and then there's the classic, before we go to bed, all right? Now I lay me down to sleep. If I die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'll tell you what, no wonder kids have nightmares, right? You know, we're teaching them before they go to bed. You might not be here in the morning. You better talk to God. And, uh, and so it's like, you know, that's, it, it's a good prayer. I think it's a good prayer. But, you know, when you're three years old and five, you're like, whoa, I might not make it till morning. Whoa, all right? So uh, th- those, are, those are definitely some challenges. I, I want us to take and, and go beyond standard issue prayer. And, and, and I, want to, I want your mind to be freed. I want your heart to be engaged. And as we connect to learning how to talk with God, it's going to be incredible. If you have your Bible, take, out, uh, take your Bible and go to John chapter 15. It will also be on the screen. John chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, here's where we're at here. Jesus was on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's uh, about ready to be, to be betrayed. Uh, he had already been through the Last Supper. The 12 disciples were up in the upper room, had the Last Supper. And uh, he says, you know, Jesus says, you know, you know who's going to betray him? And he says, whoever takes this bread. And so what happened was Judas was the one who took the bread. And by the way, in that culture, if, if you took the bread, if you would have taken bread, if somebody says, here, take, and, and you were to take it and you were to eat it, it's an extremely intimate 
It, I mean, that, that is big-time intimacy. It says, you are my brother. That's why when we have communion, take, eat. He says, take, eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when he says take and you take, man, it's, it's, it's intimate. So, so Judas, he takes it, but he doesn't eat it. He runs out. He says, I'll betray you first. I would much rather have 30 pieces of silver than to have intimacy with that guy, than, and, and then to be uh, tight with him, than to have the piece that he offers. I'm going to get the piece that I can get right now because I need this money. And he, and he goes out. And so here's Jesus. He's, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and I want you to envision with me uh, uh, just a, a, a grape orchard, you know? Like here's all these orchards and there's vines and grapes everywhere. And so Jesus is walking through. And it wasn't like he was sitting in some church saying, hey, now I'm the vine. No, no, he had the other 11 disciples with him. And he's right in the middle, middle of it. And he was the master, uh, master teacher, really. He took and he gave object lessons all the time. So Jesus is here, and, and here's, here's the vine, here's the branches, and here's the grapes. And he says, come here, guys. Come here, look. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. My father, he's the gardener. So at, at first, you know, for us, we're reading it, and we're saying, well, all right, what's he really saying here? For the disciples, it was like screaming to them. Because the vine to, to an Israel, uh, to an Israeli, was, was like a sign of nationalism. It was a sign of the prosperity of what God had done for them. Uh, they, they, saw, they saw the vine showed up in many places. If you looked in Isaiah chapter 5 and Psalm chapter 80, uh, Ezekiel, Hosea, Jeremiah, you look in all their writings, you'll see the vine in all of them. Think about the spies and what they did. Uh, how, you know, when, when they sent the spies into the land uh, to see if it, if, it, if it was good. And the spies came back with vines, with grapes, and all, these, all this fruit all over the vine. And they brought it back and they said, look, it is bountiful. We've never seen fruit like this before. They understood what the vine was. It was a sign of the prosperity of Israel. Herod's temple... Herod's temple on that day, 30 acres. Josephus said, if you've heard of Herod's temple, you think it's incredible. But if you saw it, you were utterly amazed and gave reference to God. If you saw it, you gave utter amazement and reference, uh, reverence to God. And, and what was in there, there were, there were these six-foot uh, six grapes. They were like six-foot grape clusters made out of gold. And they symbolized Israel and the blessing of God on Israel. So when Jesus says, this is the vine, he says, look at the vine. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. They're catching a big, they're catching a big message here. They're catching that, that that's where all the good comes from. It comes from the hand of God. And he's connecting himself to God. And this morning, I want to ask you to connect yourself to God. That's the very first part of, of, uh, of learning how to talk with God, is to get connected to the vine. Uh, and when we get connected to the vine, he says, I am the vine and my Father, God the Father. So this is Jesus, God the Son. He says, my Father, God the Father, he is the vine dresser. He is, he is the gardener. Verse 2, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says the gardener comes. And, and here's two ways that the gardener would prune. He would come and he would thin it out. 
He would come with shears. And a gardener uh, uh, in, in a uh, vineyard like that would come and they would, they, the, the, uh, the branches would be all so tight coming off the trunk, coming off the main vine, and they'd be all tight, and he would come and have to thin them out so that they would get stronger and they could produce great fruit. And as they produced great fruit, that, that was the ultimate goal. That's why they were out there, right? That's why you have a vineyard. Uh, some, sometimes it would take three years before it would produce fruit. But the gardener would come about twice a year and he would come and he would, he would, he would trim and he would, he would, he would glean and, and, and take care of it. And another way he would do would be to, he would see a, like a little branch coming off and, and the branch is trying to produce fruit, but yet it's really not ready yet. So he would take it and because if, if it started to produce the fruit before it was too early, it would, it would produce unhealthy fruit. So he comes and he, and, he, and he pinches it. It was known as pinching. And so he would pinch the, uh, the, the, the little branch and thus cut it back. And so what, what he says here, he says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He tells him this because it, who is the, who's the one doing the pruning? It's God. God does the pruning. He says, I want you to trust God the Father. I want you to trust him because he's the gardener. He's the one who's in charge. And there's things that you're looking at in your life that you don't necessarily understand. There's things that you question, and as we've just come off of the broken series, man, we, we have so much brokenness. We're, we're not sure what to do with it sometimes. But we also understand that God is the gardener. He's in charge. He's trimming. He's gleaning. And he's got fruit in mind. He's producing fruit in your life. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He says, hey, the, the, these words that I gave to you, We've been together for three years. Isn't it interesting that a, a vineyard takes about three years to really produce fruit? How long was Jesus with his disciples? Three years. Wow. I, lo- I just love those little things. He says, you are, you're, you're already clean because the words, the time I was with you for those three years, the words I gave you, they've cleansed you. They've spoken to you, um, uh, which I've spoken to you. They're, they're producing fruit. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Uh, th- this is an interesting statement here. Abide in me. Uh, other translations use the word remain. Remain in me. The, the whole concept here is this is to make your home in me. Abide, that's kind of an older word. Remain, we understand hanging out. Uh, The word remain in in that original language really had this concept, to make your home in Christ. Make your home in Christ, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless uh, Unless it abides in the vine, neither you will be able to produce fruit unless you abide, unless you remain in me. Now, here's what happens. Jesus is about ready to leave. He knows what's coming. He knows he's going to the cross. It's just literally hours away. And he's giving them this, this powerful statement. And he says, but I want you to remain in me. I'm leaving, but I want you to remain in me. I want you to remain connected to me. And so this morning, I'd like for us to to understand it like this. Pay attention to his presence. Pay attention to God's presence in your life. Uh, You know, when you're in traffic, pay attention to God's presence in your life. When you're in the store, 
pay attention to God's presence. When you're in trouble, pay attention. When you walk into Starbucks, pay attention to the presence of God. Have I paid attention to the presence of God in all those areas? You know, I, 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 here's what happens. God says, Jesus says, I want you to make your home in me. I want you to remain, abide. Make your home in me, right? So here's what happens. I go down and, you know, my wife calls and says, hey, stop by the uh, Dollar General store at the bottom of the hill on your way home from work and pick up garbage bags, right? So I go in there to pick up garbage bags. Now, I'm up and down this road every day. There's never a car in that parking lot. Till I go in. And whenever I walk in the door, there are 18 people in line with one attendant, right? So I'm standing in that line down there. Do you know what? It is so easy for me to make my home in my anger at that point. To make my home in my frustration. To make my home right there in that point of discontentment, okay? And Jesus says to remain in me. You have to pay attention to God's presence. He's there. He's with you everywhere. And when you're in traffic, it's amazing what happens if we have a small delay on the road. Have you ever noticed that? Just going to Pittsburgh and the tunnels are closed. Oh, my goodness, it's the end of the world, right? We have to go all the way to the West End Circle. Ah, I'm going to lose my mind. And I get there four minutes later. It's amazing what happens. I put my residency, I put my home in worry, in fret, in my how I think it ought to be. Pay attention to God's presence. I was uh, down in Lynchburg, Virginia at a conference, and my kids are students there, and a couple families have kids there. So before we left, we said, hey, come on, let's, let's go to lunch. We'll take everybody to lunch. So we went to Olive Garden. And we're sitting in Olive Garden, and and, and the lady comes over, and, you know, they're, they're such good workers and good, helpful people. And she comes over, and she's, like, taking your order. You, I'll, I'll take water with lemon. Okay, you don't want, you want water, no lemon, and, you know, just all that confusing stuff we do, right? And, uh, and I looked at her, and she had her name tag on. And her name tag, it was Ashley. And I said, Ashley, I'll take a water with lemon. And you should have saw the look at the table. It was like, Dad. You called her by name. How did you know it? She has a name tag on. Pretty cool how that works, right? And so, so it's like, you know, you, you could feel like my, my daughters are like, oh, Dad, what are you doing calling her by name? It's just like, wow. And then so I said, you know what? This girl is working. She is really helping us, right? She's serving us. So I said, Ashley, how's your day going today? And Ashley just went, blah, 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 and told me how her day was. It was wonderful. And listen, she felt so excited that I valued her presence. And, and, and I was happy because I really did value her presence. I wasn't putting on a show. I was really thanking Ashley because she was working hard and really making our experience comfortable. And then we started having a discussion. We started talking. And my kids were like, Dad, just order, you know. So I finally ordered soup and salad. That's what I do. And I asked him, I said, could I have wedding soup? And the poor girl, she goes, what is wedding soup? I said, I said, you're kidding me. She goes, no, I never heard of it. I said, well, name off all your soups. Maybe you got something like it here. And she went through all the soups. I go, you don't have wedding soup. I said, what? She goes, I've never heard of it. I said, well, you know, I'm in Pittsburgh. We have this thing called wedding soup. 
If you ever come to Pittsburgh, Olive Garden sells it there, right? So, so we, we had this discussion, and I paid attention to the presence of this lady, and there was, a, there was a, just a small friendship, small discussion, and it was a fun time that we had. Now listen, this is what happens in our life. We're, we start going all about our life, and we forget that God is there. We, he wants us to remain in him. He wants us to, to make our home in his peace. Make our home in the intimacy with God. Make our home there. What happens at home? Do you know what home is? Home is a place where you can rest. Home is a place where I don't have to perform. I love that. When I go home, I don't have to perform. Outside of cleaning up half the time, you know? Cutting the grass. My neighbors appreciate that. But outside of that, I go home and it's, man, I, you know, everybody wakes up with bad breath, folks. For those of you that aren't married, I just want you to know that's what's coming, you know? You thought it was going to be bliss. It is, but it's bad breath bliss, right? Listen, when I'm with God, he says, I want you to make your home in me. And he knows you got bad breath. And he knows all the problems that you got. He knows all the struggles. He says, I want you to make your home in me. Don't go make your home in worry. Don't go make your home in anger. Don't go make your home in unmet expectations. Don't go make your home in those things because you'll never be happy. But when we come to Christ... We pay attention to his presence. He says, abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. You won't bear any fruit. And uh, we'll put that verse 4 up there again. He says, you won't, re- you won't bear any fruit. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Who, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And may I could just qualify this. Without God, you can do nothing that will last forever. You know, you can go make your home in anger, and you'll produce fruit. It won't be the kind of fruit you ever want to look at, and you'll be disappointed. You can make your home in, in, in all those things that, that are far away from God, and we do that, don't we? We make our home. It's amazing. I have this opportunity to talk with God, but yet I don't. And I make my home in other things. I make my home in, in worry and stress and, and all that stuff. In the meantime, God says, I want you to make your home in me because without me, you can do nothing. You will not be able to uh, uh, see fruit that's going to come, that's going to last forever. And I want fruit that's going to last in my life. I want fruit that's going to be here after I'm gone. I, somebody, I was at a seminar, down at the seminar, and a guy was talking to me. He was 10 years younger than me. And, uh, and he was saying, um, uh, he was saying, can you hear me now, I guess, right? No. But he, he, was, he was saying, he said, hey, what happens as you get older? I'm like, dude, I'm not that old yet, man. He says, what happens as you get older? I said, man, I'm not that old, but I tell you this. When I was younger, I used to make my home in things that were very temporary. And as I get older, I'm starting to realize how temporary that they are. So I'm starting to make my home in things that are eternal. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Make your home in Christ because, because well, this guy thought I was ancient and I'm not even 50 yet. I'm already seeing it. Make my home in something eternal. That's how fruit lasts. I, you know, I, I don't care if my name is great. I care that my kids follow Jesus after I'm gone. And that my grandkids and their grandkids. I just, 
that's what matters. And I know that's what matters to you. That's what you're really striving for. Uh, Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and he is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you make your home in Christ, now, now catch it, everybody goes to the second half. You ask what you desire, and it will be done. Everybody goes to that. But they forget. It's predicated. It's an if then. If you make your home in Christ, then he answers the prayers. Changes our desires. When I was young, I used to pray for big houses and hitting the lottery, didn't you? Now I think God's changed a little that. I'm praying for some slightly different things. Make your home in Christ and what he changes. See what he does. Verse, uh, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Understand who God is. That's the next thought this morning. As, as we learn how to talk to God, we're, we're learning how to talk with God. This is a conversation. This is a relationship. And by the way, folks, I, I know people who pray a lot, but I don't know anybody who's a prayer expert. I, I, w- I want to take that off the table this morning because I know people who've prayed and, and do hours of prayer, but I don't know anybody who's an expert because I don't think there are any experts in prayer. I think that this is a relationship and you get to connect to a God. So as you connect to this God, understand who he is. God is still God. And so, so here's what he says in verse 9. He says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in me, abide in me, in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. He's still God. He, he, he wants you to follow what he says. He's laid out the way to go. He's given you all, everything that you need. All the, all the guidelines are right here. He says, I've given it to you. Now, now jump in there and, and follow me. But be my follower of Jesus, all right? Um, he says, he says um, my father keeps his commandments. And abide in, abide in love like he keeps the father's commandments. Isaiah says that he is holy. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah 6, and and, and I want you to catch this because this is the God that you get to talk with. You get to talk with this God. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. This was Isaiah. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, this, this is the picture. I want you to catch it. I'm, I'm envisioning Jesus sitting on a throne and his robe, this gigantic train, just filling the whole place. And Isaiah says, Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Wow, these angels, they're in the presence of God and they're covering their face because the glory of the Lord is so bright. The glory of the Lord is so incredible. And you get to come into his presence. As Hebrews says, you get to go boldly before the throne of grace. I can't help but think that's what the author of Hebrews was thinking when he said, you get to go before the throne of grace, that you were high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Wow. It continues on. 
The, the next verse, verse 3, says, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who, was cry, who had cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 5, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the middle of people with unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. That's who you get to talk to. It's incredible that you get to come into his presence. And so God is still God. He, he allows you to come into his presence. And he's this holy God. He's the, the king of the universe. He has all the power. He has all the authority. And you get to talk to him. Wow, what an incredible picture. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that your joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. The next thought this morning, I want you to understand who you are. Understand who God is, but understand who you are. And, and this is mind-blowing. He says, verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This is so revolutionary. Jesus doesn't call you his hired servants. When I come before the Lord, God doesn't say, okay, there's Ken, my hired servant down there in, in, in Finleyville, and you better straighten up today, Ken, and uh, come on, you know I'm, I'm, I'm your provider, and, and you know you're supposed, no, 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 he calls me friend. I am the friend of God, and that's what God does for you. If you've started a relationship with God, he, he, you're not his, he doesn't call you some formal servant, although we are servants, and we see that all over the scripture that we are the servants of God, but he calls us his friend. Do, do you see the intimacy there? This is a close, this is a relationship. He says, I call you my friend. I, you, 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 you're hearing it, and I want you to understand this is who you are. He takes it a step further, verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. There's a purpose. And he approached you. It was a friendship. I, I love it. Uh, J.I. Packer says that you didn't make friends with God, but God makes friends with us. God makes friends with us. So it's like this. God extended the hand. And you had an option. I'm either going to put my hand in his or not. And so you respond and you put your hand and, and there's a handshake that takes place. And then God says, I got you. You're mine. I, I, I'm investing in you. You are my friend and he's the one who's done the work. He's the one who's aggressed it. And we get to remain in that. He says that your, that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask, in the, ask the Father in my name, that he will give it to you. These things I've commanded you that, that you may love one another. Uh, this morning, I, I'd like to just share just, just real briefly as we wind down here. I'd like, I'd like to share with you three thoughts here. You know, when, whenever people have a, um, when, whenever people have, and we've got a few minutes and then the musicians will start here. But when, there is a, um, 
there, there's three things here. Whenever you're in a, in, a, in a marriage relationship and you come in for some, some counseling, there's three things that quite often will trip people up. Three reasons why they don't come, okay? Um, and there's communication. There's, there's a barrier on communication. There's three, three things. Number one is that they fear the person. Maybe they don't want to come to counseling because they fear the counselor. Maybe it's because they fear each other. There's some, something that they fear about the person. Number two, they fear the responsibility. It's like they fear the responsibility. I, if I go to that counseling and I learn to communicate, I'm going to have to go home and I'm going to have to do assignments for my wife, right? So they fear that. And then number three, they fear of disappointment. They, they're afraid that, oh, I've done counseling before and it just didn't work. And I want, I want to turn that and help you understand that it, when you're coming to God, there's a couple things that we fear. And this is quite possibly one of the reasons why we don't pray. Number one, we fear God. We're afraid. We're, we're afraid of that temple scene that says that, that he may be, that, that he is the, the king and, and this, this holiness. And we're afraid that he's going to zap us somehow. But that's not the scene. He says, I call you my friend. You don't have to be afraid. The angels are covering their eyes, but you're his friend. We fear the responsibility. We fear that if I, if I talk with God, he may tell me to do something. I don't want to be a missionary. You're afraid he might call you to do something you don't want to do, like go to a mission field, right? Well, keep talking to him. Maybe he'll let you go someplace that you enjoy. You know, maybe, maybe, it, won't be the, maybe it won't be going to a hot place. For me, if I go to a, a really warm place all year round, I'd never make it, you know? God had to send me to Europe. It'd be, it'd be a different ball game. Uh, we fear the responsibility, and then we fear disappointment. What if I ask God and I don't get it? Then He says no. And what if God says no, and we're afraid to ask? This morning, I'd like for you to just lean forward and take this card, and as the music plays. I'm just going to ask you to do something with me this morning. Take a pen. There's, this is called a speech bubble. And I'd like for us to close our service today just real differently. I'd like for you to write down what it is that you need to say to God. We're going to, I just want you to take a minute and think about it. And, and just write down. Maybe it's, thank you, God. Just, you just need to thank Him. Maybe you're going to write down there, Lord, I've been away from you and I'm coming home. Maybe you're going to write, Lord, I need you. Maybe you're going to write, God, save my marriage. God, protect my children. Take a minute and just write that in there. What do you say to God? This is the God of the universe. He's calling you friend. And that, that whole robe fills the whole temple. He's called you friend. Take a moment and write that in. Maybe for some of you, you need to write in there, God, I accept you today. This is the day that I'm accepting you, Lord. I invite you into my life.
just a moment. I'm going to talk with God myself up here. And then after I'm done talking with God and I say amen, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and I'm going to invite you to bring your speech bubble and just lay it at the altar up here. Just lay it across these steps and this is going to be our offering to God. But I want you to speak it to God. Uh, take a blank one home and, and, and fill out another one. Maybe there's something that you can write, you can put on your refrigerator and get your family talking about how to talk with God. Let's start talking with God today. God, I come before you and I thank you for that picture of that, that room. The, the robe is filled, the temple, with your glory. The angels are covering their eyes. But yet, I have direct access. How valuable are we, Lord, the value that you've given to us as your friend. God, I pray for those in here this morning that have not yet opened their heart to you. God, I pray that this would be the day they swing wide the door open. Lord, would you let their, their prayer today be, God, come into my life. God, for marriages that are breaking today, for families that are hurting, for physical ailments, for financial ailments, for this world around us that needs Jesus in such a powerful way. God, I pray that as we speak to you, as we learn to talk to you, God, that we would just shake heaven because of who you are, because of our direct access into your throne room. God, help us as we let prayer change us for the days to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And as we stand, I invite you just to come, lay it on the altar, and then return to your seat. Let's sing to the Lord. Oh, 
today. Greet each other as you leave. Have an awesome, awesome week, and we will see you back here next Sunday. Have a good one.